0: What's up, Chapel family? How's everybody doing this morning? Man, I thought we were at the disco with that light strobing like that for a minute. It's been a good week. Uh, last weekend, uh, I was out, got to watch on YouTube, and Pastor Jason just did an incredible, incredible job preaching God's Word. It's awesome watching him grow and just watching people grow into their anointing and their gifting, and, and so I just want to say I'm super proud of him. If you get a chance to let him know that, let him know that as well, and so Toy and I took a trip to Branson, Missouri, and then St. Louis, and uh, she's been to St. Louis a bunch i would never been, and... So, I try to be, you know, as husbands, the older you get, the less romantic you are. Like, you kind of start realizing you're just kind of old and fat and bald. And it's hard to be romantic when you're old, fat, and bald. Every romantic movie is the young guy. And uh, so I was like, she loves St. Louis. I'll book a trip to St. Louis. So I get to Airbnb. She's like, did you check the neighborhoods? It's like, yeah, I checked the neighborhoods. It's a fine neighborhood. She's like, no, like, in St. Louis, like, the neighborhoods are bad. It's like, it's a great neighborhood. We pull down the street, and there's Lydia Crack deal going down in front of our Airbnb. Babe, it's okay. I promise. Like, it's good. So we drive around the block a couple times. They, they leave, and she gets out, runs into the Airbnb. I'm getting our bags. I go into the Airbnb, and it smells like it was Snoop Dogg lived there for like six years. Like it just smells like straight weed. I, I'm not so sure. Toy's like somebody was smoking weed here. I'm like, you were here before me. It may have been you. And so we had to change Airbnb. So it started out great romantic trip. And so it was good to just get away for a couple days. She's now in Guatemala with the team uh, there at Hands of Hope, which is Eric and Amanda Hunt from Center Star, uh, we support and sponsor. So it's going to be a great week for them ministering in Guatemala. We're going to continue in our now streaming series from your Bibles. You turn to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis 29, being verses 31 and through 35. And, So I'm a ways out of school, but our girls are getting ready to go to college. So we have three girls in college. RJ's going to be a junior. And so the ACT has been like a big conversation in our house, like over and over again. I tell them, hey, the ACT is not about how smart you are. It's how you take the test. Take the practice test. Get the timing down. And none of them listen to me. With RJ, I've been telling him, hey, like, you know, I know you want to play basketball, but, hey, you get your ACT score, it makes it easier to play basketball. He's like, yeah, Dad, but I can't read that fast. I said, well, just skim through it. He's like, you don't understand it. I have to read something four times to remember what it said. And I'm starting to think, my whole life is starting to make sense now. If I would just told him everything four times, he'd be this trophy of a son. And I said, buddy, people got different learning styles. You got to learn your learning style, right? And so I'm old enough now that I've seen so many people that didn't do well in school but ended up being very intelligent people when they got out of school because they were able to adapt their learning style to what they wanted to do. Certain people that grew up in school, they they didn't make good grades, but they get out and they're great construction workers, start great construction businesses or welders or pipe fitters or plumbers or electricians. Like my dad is one of those. He was terrible at school, but he's an incredible electrician because he learned his learning styles very hands-on. And for me, like I was in the Air Force, I went to community college at night and I had one professor. Named Dr. Ba. She's at this community college called Anne Arundel Community College outside of Annapolis, Maryland. And so she's like this unicorn per se. So she's teaching at a community college in the evening time, but she had taught at MIT and been over the English and Language Department at Vanderbilt. And her husband took a job in the D.C. metro area, so she just wants to keep her teaching credentials. So here she is teaching English in a community college. And so I remember I hated English in community college. Like, it was the worst. I don't care about poetry. I don't care about Shakespeare. I don't care about any of this. And so one day in class, she's, she's talking about this poetry. I'm like, Miss Dr. Ball, like, this is just terrible. I was like, this isn't real poetry. I said, I know real poetry. And I'm a 19-year-old airman in the Air Force. I'm drunk half the time and doing stupid stuff. And I'm trying to tell Dr. Ball, MIT, Dr. Ball, Vanderbilt, Dr. Ball, I really know poetry. And she's like, "Oh, really? What is it?" I said, yeah, poetry, hip hop, rap music." She's like, "So you're telling me, poetry, that rap is more poetry than William Blake?" I was like, "Absolutely!" I said, "Tupac's one of the greatest poets of all time." And she's like, "Really?" And so Tupac had just his poetry book had just come out. I'd bought it. I'd bought it, and I had it, and I brought it to Doctor Ball to prove that hip hop was better. Poetry than what she was teaching me, and she took that and she read it, and she began quoting that in class, and it drew me in English. And she told me the story later on. She said she had another punk guy who was in one of her other English classes, who was like, "Dr. Ball, you don't really know poetry. This is not good poetry. I know real poetry. Real poetry is rap music and hip hop." Dr. Ball said, "Oh, really?" And she pulled out that Tupac book. Says, "I know he's my favorite poet as well." <laughs> like she tapped into something in me by learning. My learning style, what I love to to learn or how I like to learn. And so there's four learning styles. You throw those up just real quick. If you're in education, you know these. Visual learners learn best when information is presented visually. Like you love this screen. You love the vibe board when I put my chicken scratch all over the scripture. You're visually going to learn. Auditory, you learn best through preaching and spoken word. Reading and writing, you learn best through reading books or just reading the Bible on your own. Or or kinesthetic, where you learn best through hands-on or interactive environments. Those are the four main learning styles. And and what I think is sad in our culture is if somebody has a specific learning style, you think everyone has that same learning style. And if you don't learn that way, you start thinking you're unintelligent or ignorant or not smart. And it may not be that you're not intelligent. You may just not be an auditory learner. You may be more of a hands-on type learner. And so we have generations of people who grew up thinking they're not smart because their learning style was different than the place they were learning at. Spiritually, there's different ways to connect with God or to hear God's voice. And if you don't know those different ways, you'll begin to think you're less spiritual, less holy, or have less connection to God than other people because you don't fit within their style of connecting with God. And connecting with God is the most important thing about your walk with Jesus, to connect to his heart, to follow him, to hear his voice, and to obey his voice so you can carry out his will into your wife, your spouse, your family, your church, your community, and the nation. And you can only do that if you connect to hear his voice and obey his will. So today, I want to free you up. You may have been that kid in school that made straight D's, and you are proud of those D's. And then you graduate by, you know, there's magna cum laude and cum laude. You are magnum, thank God, is what you were. <laughs> you know you know who I'm talking about. You were homeschooled and still wasn't valedictorian. You were that kid. But maybe you got out of school and you learned that you learned through hands-on. In the same way, spiritually, I believe there's been so many people in church world, especially charismatic churches, where you were feeling like you were less spiritual than everybody else because you didn't hear God's voice the way everybody else heard God's voice. And you've carried this bondage or maybe this shame or this fear, anxiety, worry, or doubt that you're not as connected to God as somebody else. I'm going to set you free today. In Genesis chapter 29, it says this. This is Leah and Rachel. If you don't know the story, Leah and Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. She was beautiful. He wants to marry Rachel. He works for Laban for seven years on his wedding night. Laban switches Rachel and Leah because it was dark, and he gets Leah, who was not as pretty, She's stuck with this husband that doesn't love her, that despises her, yet Rachel's right there. She's comparing herself to Rachel, comparing herself to everybody else, and she's in this despised environment. It says this, verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated or despised, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name shall be called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. This this is one of the saddest things stories in the Bible, you have this, this woman who just wants to, to honor God and love her husband and, and be a good wife, and she's sitting there despised in her own household. And while she's despised, she's overlooked by her husband. She's compared to her other sister by her husband. She's in this environment of shame, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, comparison, which is a thief. And it says in this season of being despised and hated, it says God actually saw her. He saw her while she's being despised. And you didn't know that even when you're looked over by other people, even when other people don't see you or recognize you, when other people don't recognize your beauty or your gifts or your value, when other people don't realize who you are in Christ, when other people overlook who you are, even when other people don't even see that you're in the room, God sees you. He sees you. And even though her husband didn't value her, God valued her. And God opens up a room and gives her these four children, which become pillars of the faith. And He opens up a room and she starts having these kids. I think about once a year, another kid. Could you imagine? You're pregnant. Like I told Toy, I was like, You've been pregnant since I've known you. Like here's Leah. She's been pregnant every year since she's got married pregnant, 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 pregnant. And she has these four children. She gives them these interesting names. That she's describing her relationship with God in this season of being despised. And here's the name. She gives one Reuben. Reuben means he sees me or he's a seer. Reuben is a seer throughout scripture. Then you have Simeon. Simeon means that the Lord heard. Simeon is a hearer. You have Levi, which is attached, who actually becomes the Levitical priesthood later on, who's attached to the holy things of God. Levi is a feeler. He, he feels attached. He's a feeler. Then you also have Judah, which means praise, which is a, a worshiper. And she, she gives them these highly prophetic names. But nowhere in the scripture do you see an angel show up and say, Hey, you shall name your son Reuben. You shall name your son Simeon. You shall name your son Levi. You shall name your son Judah. No angel shows up, no voice from heaven. So she knew the voice of God wanted to name these sons, these prophetic names, because she was a knower. She just knew this is what their names were supposed to be. And so in the scripture, you see these five different styles of connecting to God or communicating to God or hearing God's voice. You have a knower, you have a seer, you have a hearer, you have a feeler, and you have a worshiper. In one family, that's how different we are. And and so there's many, we talked a couple weeks ago, there's nine ways that God speaks, at least nine ways God speaks to us, but there's at least five ways that we hear what God is speaking. So God is speaking in one language, and you have a language that you can hear God's voice through. It may not be the same language as somebody else, but it's your language. And it's beautiful. That even though God speaks to us all differently, and that's okay, he still wants to speak to all of us. And that's the beauty of, of the creation of God, the Imago Day that he created us all in his image, but he created us all in his image uniquely and differently. You just look across this room, everyone in this room is different. Different races, different backgrounds, different genders. Different hairstyles, different styles of clothes, different personality types. We're all different. And that's what makes the body of Christ beautiful. That even though we're different, we're all created in this Imago Day, which is just a fancy Latin word that means you were created in the image of God. When God thought about you, he created you. He formed you in his image. In the Genesis account, he speaks everything into existence. Everything. He speaks the sun and the moon and the stars. He speaks the mountains and the oceans. He speaks the earth. speaks the He speaks the birds. He speaks. He all speaks. He says, "Let there be birds, and there's birds. Let there be light, and there's a sun. Let there be." He speaks with this power, which demonstrates God's power in His voice. But when he gets to Adam and Eve, he slows down. He no longer speaks things into existence. It says he formed Adam. The difference between the power and forming is forming is much more intimate. To form something, you have to touch it and hold it and be close to it. And so I can only imagine Adam's formed these two things. He's formed with the image of God and the dust of earth. He takes the dust of earth, which shows our limitations, but then the image of God, which shows our potential, and he puts those things together in this vessel called human. And he begins to form Adam, and as he forms Adam, he's forming him with his own hands, which then leaves the fingerprints of God all over Adam. And those fingerprints are the reflection of the intimacy in the relationship that humans have with God that no other part of creation has. No bird has this intimate relationship. No animal has this this unique intimate relationship. The stars, the universe doesn't have this intimate relationship. Only those with the fingerprints on them. And you have the fingerprints of God all over you. Touch your number so you get got fingerprints on you. Hopefully you didn't steal anything because they're going to find you. But the fingerprints is the intimacy in which God created you. And when he created you, he created you for a purpose and with a purpose. And that primary purpose was to connect with God. And within those fingerprints, God being this multifaceted person of the Trinity, he has emotions, he can hear, he can see. He can touch. He can feel. He has all these things that that Leah describes, these five things. God knows. He has a mind. He can hear. He can see. He can feel. He placed in you these five prophetic styles in order to connect with him at a more intimate level. And it's interesting to me that they almost completely correspond with the learning styles that education uses. It's like education tapped into our created potential. And try to use that to teach you something educationally. But God wants to teach you something spiritually and eternal. And he does that through connecting with you. So the five styles are this. The knowers. Touch your neighbor and say knowers. Touch your other neighbor and say the hearers. Touch your other neighbor and say the seer. You run out of neighbors. The feelers and the worshipers. Here is the sad thing to me. is Most churches are built on whatever the pastor's style of connecting with what God is they build the church on that one particular style. If the the pastor is is a feeler, it'll be a church that's full of intercessory prayer. If it's a church that's built on a knower, it'll be full of teaching and preaching, but absent of prayer, maybe worship. If it's, a, if it's a pastor, it's full of the, the, the feeler, the, the emotional side, it'll be full of maybe worship, or the Judas will be worshiping churches. And we build churches around one particular style instead of embracing the beauty of diversity that just because you don't hear God the way I hear God doesn't mean you don't hear God. And the beauty of it is, is when I can empower you in your uniqueness. To connect with God individually, it strengthens the church corporately because we're all following God together. Unity is not sameness. Unity is oneness. Unity embraces differences in different personalities and different styles, but it also gives you power to stay together because we're all following the same God. And so I'm going to free you up. I'm going to walk through these pretty quickly, but the first one is this, the knower. The knower prophetic style is this. It means sometimes you just know that you know that you know what God wants to do. See, knowers know what God wants to say, and they operate many times by this function of these aha moments. That they can be sitting there thinking about anything in the world, and they just get a thought that drops in their mind. And it's like this aha moment of, I need to do this, or I should do this, or an aha moment about revelation. Last night I was actually at my house in, Toy and RJ are in Guatemala, Alicia's in Huntsville. One of the girls is gone. I had friends over, so the house has gotten quiet. I pulled out, I have a little Galatians, just one book, little paper note Bible. And I started reading through that one little book of Galatians. And when I tell you, the whole notebook filled up with just notes of nuggets that I felt like God was giving me. I'll tell you, it is full of notes. And it wasn't notes from a commentary. It wasn't notes that God said, write this down or I heard a voice. It was just a knowing. And so when you're a knower, you have these light bulb moments with God that he drops a thought into your brain. He drops an a, a idea into your brain. And so knowers are people that you may not hear God audibly. You may not hear God through visions or dreams, but you just have this knowing. And knowers are strong in the gift of wisdom. It's sometimes the gift of intuition, that you just have this intuition of what's right and what's to be done. And so an example of that in the Bible would be King Solomon. King Solomon, outside of the one time God visits him and asks him for what prayer he wants to ask, you don't see Solomon say, thus saith the Lord. You don't see Solomon having an encounter with an angel in the wine press like Gideon. You don't see Solomon on the mountaintop meeting with God at a burning bush. You don't see Solomon with these supernatural spiritual experiences with God. He just had this knowing relationship. And the Bible called him the most wise man in the entire world. That wisdom didn't come from hearing God's voice. It was God spoke to him through wisdom. God spoke to him through this knowledge that he would place inside of him. And so some of you in this room, you have that type of knowledge that God speaks to you. You didn't realize that. You thought that, well, I'm not as spiritual as you know, so and so else, because you know, so-and-so, they get visions and dreams. You know, that's really supernatural, it's really weird, but I wish I could be like them. Well, no, God's still speaking to you, He's just speaking to you through your thoughts. And you see this a lot of times, knowers love, love Bible studies. Knowers love the preaching of the word. Knowers love to break down scripture. Knowers love to learn why that's how they connect with God and hear God's voice. And so you may be a a knower, and what you need to know is you're just as spiritual as the person who has the visions and dreams. Now, the downside to being a a knower, the weaknesses would be this. You tend to become a know-it-all. I know this from personal experience. I'm I'm probably a knower, and I hear a lot from my wife and my kids that you just think you're a know-it-all. Yes, that's the way God talks to me. Therefore, I know it all. (laughs) Like, I, I think that the knower, they get holy highlights from God. Like, if you look at my Bible, like, this Bible is just full of highlights, Right, That's stuff that God highlights to me. That's God speak to me through that knowing capacity. And so I have to know that just because God speaks to me that way doesn't mean that somebody else that God speaks to doesn't know the same things that I know. Also, you tend to be lean on your own understanding. And the Bible says lean not on your own understanding. And so knowers are great. They're deep. They're, they're theologically sound. Their doctrine is strong. And so maybe you're saying, well, maybe am I a knower? Well, have you ever just been talking to somebody or reading your Bible and just have these random thoughts come into your heart or your mind? Do you just get revelation, these light bulb moments where you just know that you know that you know what God wants you to do? That is God speaking to you through your mind. The second one is this, the seer. The seer style, the season, seer Is people that see what God wants to say. Maybe they don't hear a voice. Maybe they don't know it through their their wisdom or intuition. But they see God through visions and through dreams. Maybe they just see God moving. I know prophetic people, they'll see a picture of what God wants to say. Like, I don't have that. I'm I'm a knower through and through. But for seers, they're visual learners, but they're also visual hearers. And then when God wants to speak something, they'll see it before they'll actually. Here an example. Of this is Joseph. Joseph, you never see Joseph have an encounter with an angel. You never see Joseph have an encounter with God. You never see Joseph have an encounter with anybody actually. But God speaks to him through this dream and through this vision of him overruling his brothers at some point, where their staffs bow down to his staff. He shares that dream. His brothers sell him into slavery. And he continues in journey, all because God spoke to him through a dream. And then later on in his life, that dream actually comes true. And he doesn't really understand that it was God until the dream came to pass. And as the dream came to pass, his brothers were pleading for mercy. And he says, listen, you didn't do this. God meant it for good. God spoke to him through this dream, this vision. So the question be, are you a visionary? Do you see things? That God wants you in the mental image of your mind. Are you seeing things God wants to say or do? Like one of my dear friends, 20 best friends in Nashville, Ben Suggs. He's probably one of those guys that probably didn't do too good in school, but he's become very successful in construction. And when you're with him, like he doesn't hear God through reading the Word as much. He doesn't hear God through the inaudible voice. He sees things. He sees potential. You can drive through Cloverdale. And he will start spotting. You could build a house like this here. You could build a subdivision. He sees things. That is a, a seer. They see the potential. They see what God could do and what God wants to do. And so for visionaries, they're all visually looking. So is it natural for you to draw hold of visuals? When you sleep, do you dream? When you're awake, do you see visions? You may be a seer. The weaknesses are you may overlook the details for the big picture, which means you don't see the, the trees because you're in the forest. Also, it could mean that you're so focused on the future, you don't live in the now. People who are visionaries, they're so focused on the vision. Could you imagine Joseph if all he thought about was that dream? If all he thought about was that vision? And he spent his entire life trying to make that happen Instead of being obedient to where God had him in that day. When you're a seer, that is your weakness. Number three is the hearer. The hearer has a sense of what God is saying. in that still, small, inaudible voice that we've talked about over and over and over again. Hear someone God speaks to through that voice. Easiest one of this is Moses. Moses literally meets God at the burning bush. And God begins to speak to Moses over and over and over again. Then he leads him back into Egypt where God speaks to him and he hears God's voice to do everything he's supposed to do. Then by his voice, he leads him through into the wilderness towards the promised land by his voice. There's some of you that you're continually guided by that still, small voice. That means you're a hearer. If you're prophetic and you you hear things, like you hear that voice inside of you and it leads you and it guides you. Hearers love podcasts. They love audiobooks. I despise audible books. You know why? You can't highlight an audible book. I think it's the biggest waste of money, the stupidest thing you can do to listen to an audible book. It was not written to be spoken. It was written to be read, dog-eared, highlighted, circled, and notes written in. Right? But if you're here, you love podcast. You, you love the preaching of the word. You love to hear. Why? That's how you connect with God. And in connecting with God, you feel closer to him through the preaching and through the audible things because that's how you echo God's voice in your life. Now, the weakness of that may be this. You start hearing the message, you get overly infatuated with the messenger, and you get drawn to messengers at the expense of the message. And you, we see this in church world a lot. There's, there's tons of great preaching out there, but people will draw to preachers that may not have the greatest depth or content, but they connected with their voice because they're hearers and they go all in on one particular voice and it gets them off kilter because they start being led by that voice instead of the inner voice. Another weakness would be you become independent of others because you don't need others. You can listen to podcasts and sermons and hear God on your own. But we're all called to Hear God's voice together. Number four would be the feeler, prophetic style. You already know who you are because you feel everything. You already know who you are because you're, emo- you're the bleeding heart that when you walk into the room, you already know the pain in the room. Feelers feel what God wants to say and what God wants to do. They're the bleeding hearts. You know, it's the, it's the person, no matter what somebody's going through, like, if you tell me, hey, pastor, I'm going through this, like, I'll have compassion. For you, you said, Hey, Pastor, I'm going through a situation in my marriage, and you know, we're struggling with this. I'm like, Man, I feel for you, I could help you. You know, if I need to pray for you, I'll call you, call me, text me. Like, I have compassion for you, but I'm a knower, right? So, I'm trying to figure out how to fix what you just told me to do. But if I'm a feeler, or if you know a feeler, and you start telling a feeler, Hey, we're going through a a bad spot, (laughs) oh, Lord, they will start thinking they're getting divorced. Oh, pastor, like, you know, I got, I got this bunion on my toe and it hurts every time I walk. I'll be like, that's gross. Go get it fixed. I feel it. Like, but, oh, and don't lean down there and want to pray for your toe. Like, don't touch people's toes. Like, feelers feel everything, right? And so you know you're a feeler when you walk in the room and you feel the spiritual temperature of the room as soon as you walk in. You're a feeler. In the Bible, Jeremiah, the prophet who wrote the book Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, was a feeler. Like you don't see outside of his initial call, God speaking to him audibly. What God spoke to him, he would see the burdens of Israel. He'd say they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep being scattered all over the place. Sheep being sacrificed to the greed of culture. He would see their pain and their burdens, and it would motivate. He'd feel their pain. And he would prophesy out of that pain the solution. It was called the weeping pastor. The whole book of Lamentations is his weeping over Israel. And so for you, if you're a feeler, you know what I'm talking about. You feel people's pain. You feel God's presence. You'll say, I felt God today. You're you're a feeler. And feeling, many times for all of us, feelings are normally indicators of something going on internally. right? So all of us have feelings. If you're angry, there's probably a reason internally that you're angry. If you're sad or depressed, there's probably a reason internally why you're sad. They're indicators. But for feelers, they're not indicators. They're like these huge, blowing whistles to pay attention. And I would say if you're a feeler, the weakness is you can tend to let your feelings drive your spiritual bus. Instead of letting your faith drive your spiritual bus and your feelings helping you know which way to go. Whenever your feelings start driving you, you always end up at the wrong spot. When your faith drives you, you always end up in God's will. And last but not least, the worshiper prophetic style. The worshiper prophetic style is this. You connect to God and you hear God's voice the most when you're in an atmosphere of worship. So what does that mean, Pastor? Like like Melissa Dallas, when she's singing this morning. Like when she starts singing, not only do you feel like you're in the presence of God, she will start prophesying out of that because she's hearing God through herself worshiping. And so many times our worship leaders aren't just people who are good musicians or good singers. They're people, that's how they connect with God. And we get the benefit of that connection with them, that overflow of that connection. We get the benefit of that to enjoy that and connect with God. But there's people I know, if you know anything about the IHOP movement, International House of, not pancakes, but prayer in Kansas City. They have 24-7 prayer. Radiant Network, we're part of. Radiant Church has prayer three times a week. It's full of people that connect with God through worship. What that means is they hear God the most when they're worshiping him. They hear God's voice the clearest when they're in an the atmosphere of worship. And that's who King David was. King David never had this encounter where he meets God and God speaks to him and tells him here's what's going to happen. He would sit in the field with his sheep and play his little harp and have these encounters with God where God would speak to him and we call those encounters the Psalms that are part of God's Word, that came through this worshiper's mentality or this worshipper style that we now get to benefit from. Now, now the downside of being a worshiping personality style, worshiping prophetic style, is this. You can be so caught up in the music of things, you lose the word and the foundation of the gospel and doctrine. And you become too emotional or you become too far-fetched that it's all about worship. Like, it's interesting to me that some people... You know, we've had over the last couple of years, maybe two or three times where worship went so long we didn't preach. And there's people, oh man, God really moved today. You are a worshipper. You know, the other people are thinking, my gosh, if they don't stop this music and get to the preaching, I'm about to leave and go somewhere else. You ain't nowhere. Like, see, the beauty of the church is knowing that all of us, when we come together, make the beauty of the local church and we don't become arrogant of thinking that our way is his way. When Paul describes the spiritual gifts, the beauty of it, he describes his family with all these different parts. He describes the body with all these different parts. And one of the things I love about this church, and I've loved for so many years, is this beauty that we have in diversity. I say diversity, I'm not just saying in in racial diversity, which is beautiful to me. We we love that. That in the South, in in a state that's been mired with racism and segregation and even still on Sundays throughout the week you got redlining districts all this stuff that there's a place on Sundays where we put all that stuff aside and we make Jesus the king instead of race or ethnicities or gender anything else but also the diversity of thought diversity of giftings diversity of generations and where all those things come together to show the beauty of what the gospel looks like on earth And so I want you to know that you are equipped and empowered to hear God for yourself. You may not hear God the way I hear God, but thank God you don't hear God the way I hear God. The worst thing that could happen is we all become a little mini-me of the pastor. You can hear God whether you're a knower, a feeler, a seer, a hearer, a worshiper. Like you can hear God on your own. And I encourage you to find your spot to connect to Jesus and to hear his voice. Because I promise you, whatever he says is going to be the best thing you heard all week. It will be better than any sermon you ever heard. It will be better than any podcast you listen to. Because it will be your creator speaking life back into your soul. And that is the goal of walking with Jesus. you would bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. I just wanna pray a blessing over in this place. Father, I thank you for this people, people that come from many different places and backgrounds and states and cities and communities, different generations in this room, different races in this room, different socioeconomic backgrounds in this room, different church experiences, different doctrines in this room. I wanna say thank you for the beauty of unity. Thank you for the beauty of diversity. And Father, I want to free everyone up that's carried spiritual bondage, that they weren't as spiritual as somebody else. And they started feeling like Leah's, where they started comparing themselves to the other people that seem to have all the greater blessings. Father, I want you to encourage them through your Holy Spirit, that even when they're overlooked, you've placed things inside of them that are valuable. And even though they may not be a seer, that they can still hear your voice through being a knower. They may not be a worshiper, but they still hear your voice through being a feeler. And Father, whatever style they have ingrained, I know we have all of them, but Father, whatever their style is, I pray that you allow them to be confident in that style, to lean into your voice and to grow in intimacy with you like they've never grown before. So Father, I pray your blessing over these people pray your grace upon these people, your favor upon these people. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Before you leave, i got a real quick announcement. I'm going to have a prayer team come forward. If you need prayer for anything, they'll be down front to pray with you as we dismiss. Prayer for healing, sickness your body, wisdom, whatever you need prayer for, they're here to agree with you. I want to make an announcement ahead of time. It's kind of a soft launch of this announcement. Uh, But a couple uh, months ago, I guess, a month and a half ago, Pastor Tristan came to me and Pastor Marissa and was struggling with his calling and his passion. And he started talking about, I love students. I'm passionate about students. He said, I just don't know if I'm passionate about student ministry. He said, I love kids. So we started kind of unpacking that. And my job as a pastor of this church is to make sure everyone's in God's will, right? Whether it's here or somewhere else. If this is not the church for you, I want to get you in the church that God has for you. Like, I want you in God's will. And so we just had that with, with Tristan. I said, whenever you're in God's will, it's a win-win. It's a win for you, it's a win for the church, win for the kingdom. And he started unpacking it and He said, I just really feel called to students within the schools. He said, I feel like this past year, I was in a lot of ball games and sports games. I really feel called to be a coach in a high school. I said, Tristan, that's awesome. Dude. I was like, that doesn't mean you're not called to ministry. It just means you're called to ministry in the marketplace. And I said, "That means God is putting you on the front lines of student ministry, outside the walls of the church, and I want to help you get there. And so we've been walking that out. Pastor Mercer's done a great job kind of walking alongside of him, helping him in that. And so the plan is he's going to get through Motion Conference with the end of the month and halfway through August and try to get back into college and try to work on some volunteer coaching opportunities to get him in the school. In the meantime, we're starting to look and find who's next for our students. So I want you to know that ahead of time. You'll have more information as we get closer to that day. I wanted you to know that now. If you would stand to your feet as we get ready to dismiss... I just want to say, if you have questions about that, just find Pastor Marissa or myself. Be happy to answer whatever we can answer for you. But we love you. Hope you have a great rest of the Sunday. Be blessed.